This is Lance Turner, pastor at Grow Church. We'd like to thank you for joining our podcast. We pray the message today stirs your faith and it causes you to grow. Enjoy the message. Come on, give him praise this morning and bless him. Hallelujah. He's worthy of our praise. Come on, you can do better than that. Come on, give him some praise this morning. Hallelujah. High five your neighbors say he's great. You can be seated this morning. Good to see you all here at Grow Church. If you're here with us for the first time, welcome. We hope you felt right at home this morning here in the presence of God. We love to worship God with, with passion. Amen? Any passionate worshipers in the room this morning? Oh, just a few of you? What's wrong with the rest of you? Listen, I was at the Georgia game yesterday, and I hollered and screamed. But you know what? There's, a better, there's better news than somebody crossing the goal line, right? Jesus came, lived a sinless life, died a cruel death on the cross, and walked out of the tomb, and he deserves our praise. Amen? Come on, give him praise one more time. Hallelujah. Well, we're in the, we've been in this series. We started last week entitled Be Wise. And if you were here, you know that we talked, we actually defined what wisdom is. And we said it's basically that we understand that there's, there's purpose, there's meaning to life. And when we understand the wisdom of God, then we live wisely. We behave wisely. And there's, there's an outcome. And that's why we asked that second question, why is wisdom so important because we believe there's an outcome to walking in wisdom and here's what it says in Proverbs it says for us to live a successful life amen for us to understand that God is in control of our lives and he wants us to live successful in life then we ask the question about who is who's the source of wisdom and we discovered that Jesus Christ in Christ are found all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge So if you're in Christ this morning, guess what? You have access to the riches, the treasures of wisdom. Amen. And then lastly, we said, how do we obtain wisdom? And we talked about how that you grow and as you receive constructive criticism, as you, you just simply ask for wisdom and he'll give it to you. And we also said that if we hang out with wise people, what happens? You grow wise. And so those were the benefits we talked about last week of of, of what wisdom's all about. So today, what I want to do is I want to carry that on, and I want us to, to jump into the Scriptures this morning. And we're going to start in Proverbs chapter 9, in verse 10. And here's what it says. It says, The fear of the Lord is, well, is what? The beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One understanding. You notice I highlighted fear and wisdom and knowledge and Holy One understanding because here's what we're going to do. We're going to focus our attention on really what it means to fear the Lord. Now, I know many of you, when you hear the word fear, there's, a, there's typically a negative connotation to that word. Am, am I right? When you say, I'm, I fear something, typically we think that we're afraid of something. And I, I really believe that's really how we've been kind of historically how we felt about God. Anybody ever felt like, I'm afraid of God? You can be honest. I've been there. I felt like I was afraid of God. So what I want to do is, today I want to help maybe clear up a picture of God that you have so that your approach to Him will change. And I feel like this this message today can impact you if you'll lean in and we'll we'll talk together. So the the view, here's what I want you to write down. Your view of God will impact your relationship with Him. Can I say that one more time? Your view of God will 
will impact your relationship with Him. What do I mean by that? If I fear God, if I'm afraid of God, chances are I'm not going to come to Him boldly, right? Chances are I'm, I'm going to actually run the other direction when I think of God, or I'm going to hide from Him. Anybody ever felt that before? So what I want to do is say, let's clear that up just a second. Here's what I want to do. I want you to understand that God is full of mercy. Anybody ever received the mercy of God this morning? God is full of compassion. Do you believe that? If you believe that, then you believe what the Bible says because the Bible says he's full of mercy. The Bible says he's full of compassion, slow to anger. Amen. That's what the Bible says. So I'm not giving you anything that the scriptures don't back up, right? He's also a loving father. How many of you would agree with that this morning? So I got to thinking about this idea of the fear of the Lord. And I think an accurate, healthy picture of him is thinking about fathers. Now, I, in a room like this, I understand that there are probably some people in this room. Either your, your dad wasn't existent or he was a terrible dad. So maybe it might be hard for you to picture the ideal situation of a dad. But I want you to do that with me. I want us to picture the ideal scenario of a father. The most, I guess the most, um, the greatest example that you could think of of a father. And I want us to have that picture. And the reason I want us to do that is because I believe if you, if you change your view of God, then this will impact your relationship. So I want you to picture with me this ideal father. So here's some of the things that I, as I was picturing the ideal father, I, I thought of. First of all, an ideal father loves you. Amen. An ideal father provides. An ideal father disciplines. And an ideal father protects. Does that sound like a good ideal picture of a father to you? So if you can visualize that, then you will understand how God feels about you. And how God deals with you. Can I get an amen this morning? I was thinking about my own dad. And, you know, I, I miss him dearly. He's, he went on to be with the Lord just over four years ago. And, but I do remember in, as I was growing up, when my dad was alive, I never, when he walked in the room, I never wanted to go run and hide in a corner. I didn't. But if I was afraid of him, that would have been my response. Actually, the opposite was true. Whenever he came home from work or whenever he was, was, would come into a room, what was my response? I wanted to go running up into him and jump into his arms. Or if he was sitting in a chair, what would I do? I would go jump in his lap. That's how I viewed my father. Now, I do also know that there were times when I was growing up when I misbehaved. I remember one time, my dad was a pastor, so one time, I was probably four or five years old. I was, we were living in Moultrie, Georgia. Anybody know where Moultrie, Georgia is? Colquitt County? No, is it Colquitt County? Yeah, Colquitt County. Yes, right. It's been so long. I was about four years old. My dad was studying one Saturday, and we lived on this main highway. Right in front, and our, we had our parsonage right beside the church. So he was studying. I was out there playing with one of my friends. And, and so he, his, my friend said, hey, why don't we go to my house? Well, his house was like three miles up that main highway. I mean, like a busy, busy road. So he and I took off to his house. Didn't even, didn't even tell my dad any, Didn't tell me at all. Woo, man. So he comes out. He's looking for us, and he can't find us anywhere. And he said he looked up down the, the road, and he saw two little heads bobbing up. So he, he knew where we were headed. So he goes and comes to 
We finally got to the house. He comes to the house and gets me. And boy, whoo, I think I, that's probably the worst whipping I ever got from my dad. But you know what? I'll, I never did that again. So a, a heavenly father, a, a good father, not only does he love us, but he disciplines us. And so I want to talk about these, these ideas of, of the father so you can get a clear picture of the fear of the Lord and what it means to really fear him. Here's what Martin Luther said about the fear of the Lord. He says, in, regard, in this regard, Luther is thinking of a child who has tremendous respect and love for his father or mother and who dearly wants to please them. He has a fear of, or an anxiety of offending the one he loves, not because he's afraid of torture or even of punishment, but rather because he's afraid of displeasing the one who is in that child's world, the source of security and love. Have you ever seen your father as a source of security and love? Have you ever seen your heavenly father as a source of security and love? And so that's a good question to ask. So here's where I want to start. We're talking about the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. So we need to understand that God loves his children. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1. Here's what it says. It says, see how very much our father, say it out loud, loves us. For he, what does he do? He calls us his children. And that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him. So you understand here that the, 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 the John is saying to us, here's, what the father, here's how the Father feels about you. Not only does he love you, but he calls you his kid. And it's so emphatic here. I love that statement. And that is what we are. Does it seem like there's any uncertainty to you in this passage of your identity or who you are in him? Turn to your neighbor and say, that's what you are. You're his kid. Are you glad you're his kid? Are you glad he loves you this morning? Anybody glad he loves you? I'm so grateful for the love of God. So my understanding of the love of God, there's a response to that. And the Bible says, I love him because he first loved me. And when the Bible tells me to love God, then I understand all it is is a response to him. And here's how I know he loved me. Because John, everybody know John 3, 16? You can probably quote this. It says, for this is how God loved the world. What did he do? Say he gave. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Can you imagine how God views you, the value he sees in you, that he was willing to sacrifice his own kid for you? That's a big deal, folks. Our generous God, who loves you, unquestionably loves you, was willing to give, to prove to you your worth and his love for you. Is anybody glad for that this morning? God gave his one and only son. And so this whole idea of the fear of the Lord is centered around the gospel of Christ. The fact that Christ came, lived a sinless life, died a cruel death on the cross, and walked out of the tomb for you and I so we could become his sons and daughters. Hallelujah. That's good news this morning. That's why the gospel, that's what it means. It means good news this morning. 
And so you and I can say our approach to God, we don't have to be afraid of God because we know he loves us. We know that he went to great lengths to prove he loved us. Here's the second reason we can fear the Lord the right way or have the right perspective of God. The fact that he is our provider. Remember I said the ideal scenario is he loves us and then he provides for us. Philippians 4.19. Here's what it says. And this same God, what does he do? He takes care of you. Takes care of me. Will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. So here's the other reality of, of how God feels about you. He will provide for you. Can anybody testify to that this morning? I was just reading this morning in Psalm 24. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. That means that he owns everything. And when we understand that he's the owner of it all and he's given us stewardship of it all, then we can rest assured that he's going to provide everything that we need. Jesus said it like this. He said, don't worry about what you're going to, the clothes you're going to put on. Don't worry about things. Why? Because your heavenly Father loves you and he'll take care of you. This, this should bring comfort to us this morning, especially if we're in a place where we're not sure. Man, I'm not sure where that's going to come from. I'm, you know, I, I have this bill that's due and I'm just not sure. I'm here to tell you God is our provider. And so when we view him the right way as our loving Father, as our provider, the fear of the Lord begins to come into focus even more. It's not afraid. It actually becomes this reverence and this awe of the God who loves us, who went to great lengths to show us his love, and one who says, you know what, I'm going to take care of you. That's a good God, amen? Here's the next one. God is your protector. Anybody have, a, have a, an understanding of God as your protector? The Bible says in Psalm 18, verse 2, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my Savior. My God is my rock in whom I find what? Protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me, and my place of safety. You can run to Him. When things, when the storms of life begin to howl and, and roar, when, when things start going south, you go to him, and he's your place of safety. He's your protector. The Bible says he'll give his, his angels charge over thee to keep you in all your ways. This is your loving father. How many of you are, are, are parents in here? Let me see your hand. Don't you go to great lengths to protect your kid? Amen? I do. I want to make sure that they're, they're protected from the things. I mean, there's so much that could just come at them in life today and so you want to you want to protect them that's how God feels about you and I he's our protector and who better than the one who created everything right who owns the the whole universe who spoke the world into existence so God is your protector this morning and this one probably not so much fun but God disciplines us as a great father should Hebrews chapter 12. And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as what? As his children. You're his kids. So what does he say? He said, my child, don't make light 
of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. Why? This is, here's the why. For the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one he accepts as his kid. So here's the, here's the reality, folks. The, the way that you know that God loves you is when you get off course, when you start making some wrong choices, God gets you back in line. Amen? That's what discipline does. Any, any, again, we've already had parents, so we've already talked about that. I'm, I'm here to tell you that my kids, they weren't perfect. But there were moments when, I was, when they were younger, I had to discipline them. I know sometimes they didn't understand. I didn't understand it when my dad had to discipline me. I didn't, I didn't understand it. But now that I'm a father, I get it. Because when you look at your kid, we talked about it last week. We, we described what the simple was. A simple is a person who just don't know. They don't know what they don't know, right? And many times they, they lack experience. They lack knowing what to do. And so sometimes I've got a perspective that they don't have. And I can see the dangers of what they're, where they're headed. And so what am I going to do? Am I going to let, let's just like a kid. If I had my little baby boy and he was running toward a, a, a busy highway or like I was doing, walking up a busy road, of course I'm going to stop them. Why? Because I love them. I don't want to see them hurt. And so when I discipline, it's all because I don't want to see them make the mistakes that I made or face those negative consequences that I have. And so what am I going to do? Because I love them, because I want the best for them, I'm going to discipline them. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that if you don't discipline, you don't love your kids. That's the, that, I didn't write that, God did. And I know it's hard. I know little, little Johnny's so cute. Even when he's messing up, he's so cute. And you don't want to discipline him. But it's the best thing for little Johnny. Amen? And so that's, if you understand this, this is how God views us. God says, look, I see, a, I have a perspective that you don't have. I have an eternal perspective. I created you. I know you better than you know yourself. And when I say don't do something, you can rest assured, if you do it, you will regret it. Why? Because there are consequences for our behavior. And God says, let me discipline you to make sure that you don't go off on the wrong, on the wrong path. A loving father disciplines. And because my dad disciplined, I had the, a, a respect for him. I had a reverence for him. Because I, know, I knew he had my best interest in mind. And so when I see God, even in his discipline, saying, you know what? God has my best interest in mind. He has me at his heart. He loves me enough to say, you're going down the wrong road, son. This is what we're talking about when we say a different perspective of, of fearing God. We reverence and honor him because he loves us. We reverence and honor him because he protects us. We reverence and honor him because he provides for us. And we reverence and honor him because he disciplines us. It's a healthy view of God. There's a couple other things I want to mention to you before we close. God is awesome. Can you agree this morning? We serve an awesome God today. Think about it for a second. The God of the universe 
without having to do anything, speaks the world into everything that you see around you. Trees, the heavens, mountains. Anybody ever been to the, the, the Tetons out west? Anybody been, ever been out there? Anybody ever been to Alaska? Hawaii? When you stand in these places and you see the wonder, the beauty of these things, you can't help but to say, man, we serve an awesome God. Amen? He's a creator. And when I see him that way, the wonder of God emerges out of my heart. I remember what the psalmist said in Psalm 8. He said, when I gaze into the night sky and I see the works of your fingers, the moon and stars suspended in space, what is man that you're mindful of him? That's what he said. Why? Because he was so full of awe and wonder of what he saw that it elicited this, oh man, God is awesome. Anybody ever had that moment? Every time I see a sunset, Right out, I mean, when you walk out these doors, anybody ever been here in the evening, right before sunset, and you looked out over that pond? What a beautiful sunset right here, right in front of us. Man, it, 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 man you're like, Lord, you're awesome. You're wonderful. Amen. This is the God we serve. And when we see this, here's what the Bible says. Here's what the psalmist said, Psalm 33, 8. He said, let the whole world fear the Lord. You see the connection? And let everyone stand in awe of him. Here's what the, the book of Isaiah says. It says, have you heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. Anybody glad for that? He never gets tired, folks. He can, no one can measure the depths of his understanding. In other words... You realize, folks, that in our finite minds, we really can't comprehend God. We're talking about a God that has no beginning. Think about that for a second. No beginning. Smoke starts coming out of your ears, don't it? No beginning. Because you and I, we think in terms of beginning and end. We, have, we serve a God that had no beginning. He's always been, and the Bible says he's always going to be because he's everlasting. Isn't that great? And so he can handle my issues. He can handle my small problems, can he? Because he is the creator of all things. We don't understand him because his ways are not our ways. Amen. And I'm glad because I don't, I don't want to serve a God that I can create. Can I say that one more time? I don't want to serve, or I, won't, I definitely won't have any awe and wonder of a God that I create. That's why it was, you, you read in the, in the Old Testament where it's, it's funny because it's almost like God's making fun of these people who they actually create, they create a, an idol. With your own hands, you make something and then you worship it. Y'all follow me, right? Shouldn't it be the other way around? I created it. It should worship me. That's how it goes, folks. God created the world. God owns everything. He deserves our worship. He deserves the awe and wonder and the reverence that, uh, that we can give him. Amen? 
Hmm. And then the last one here, God is holy. Think about that one for a second. Pastor, I'm not really sure I understand what holiness means. Well, it's just like the scripture said. He is totally separate. Totally other. In other words, he's totally perfect. There's not one smidgen of thought in our God. Can I get an amen this morning? He is holy. He is perfect. He is sinless. Amen. And when I think about the holiness of God, the fact that he was perfect, the fact that he couldn't stand sin, and I sinned, and then he still made a way for me to come and approach him, although he didn't have to, there's awe and wonder. There's a reverence that emerges in my, in my mind toward him because I know he's perfect, and I'm not. The book of Isaiah describes it very clearly in, in Isaiah chapter 6. When Isaiah have, had a vision of the pre-incarnate Christ, and he said, look, I saw the Lord, and he was high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And here's what the angels were doing. They were gathered around the throne, and they were crying, holy Holy, holy is the Lord. And what was his response? He understood in his, his dealings in the presence of the holy. There was a response. I'm a man of unclean lips. And I dwell amongst the people of unclean lips. You follow me? When you're in the presence of the holy, you know it. But thanks be to God, you don't have to be afraid. All because of what Christ did. God's love for you that sent Jesus to the earth to die on the cross, it now gives you access to this God, this holy God, who's separate, who's other, who's perfect. And now you can come to Him as if you're perfect too. Why? Because you're clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. Amen. Isn't that great? So these, all of these perspectives that you can have, that you understand that God loves you. That God provides for you. That God protects you. That God disciplines you. That God is awesome in power. That God is holy. What happens? What's my response? The fear of the Lord. The reverence and the awe and wonder of Him. And what does that do? The Bible says that leads me to wisdom. The Bible says that leads me to behave wisely. Remember, we defined it. That we will, when we walk in wisdom, we behave wisely. Why? Because God's our Father. And when you understand this, that He's not one that you, you need to be afraid of and need to run in the corner and hide from. No, you can run to him like the Bible says and say, Abba, Father, Daddy, God, and jump in his lap the same way. Isn't that great? This is how he feels about you this morning. And he's not a respecter of persons. So here's, here's I, could hear, I could hear somebody right now. Well, God knows everything I've done. And I've done some pretty bad stuff. Anybody been there? Those of you that raise your hand, you're lying. All have sinned and come short of God's glory. So, yeah, I can see outside the faith, outside of Christ, how somebody would be afraid of the holy God. And one day, 
if they don't accept him, there will be that, that fear, that terror, that the holy God, is, he becomes the judge. He's a just God too, right? And so I could see it. But I'm here to tell you, if you're in Christ, you have nothing to be afraid of. He's your father. And good fathers love doing good stuff for their kids, don't they? I love to give my kids stuff. I'm not wanting to spoil them. Amen? But I want to give them good stuff. It brings me pleasure to be able to give good stuff to my kids. On Christmas, watching their eyes light up. Or, you know, I bought both of my kids, I bought them a car when they, when they got old enough. I didn't buy them a brand new one. But they both have a car now. It's paid for. They don't have a payment on. It brought me pleasure to be able to do that for them. Amen? God's the same way with you. Did I mention he's good this morning? So look at this. This is how good God is. Proverbs 22.4. Look at this. True humility and what? And the fear of the Lord have an outcome. This is how our great God feels about you. Because you fear Him, because you reference Him, because you worship Him, because you walk in humility, there's an outcome. He loves giving good gifts to His kids. So what's the outcome? Riches, honor, and long life. Anybody want to walk in that this morning? Now, does that mean everybody in this room is going to be a millionaire? I'm not implying that at all. But when you look at riches, riches is way more than money, folks. It's way more than money. It's, it's God taking care of you, right? It's that car that you've been driving for 300,000 miles and the motor's never blown up. Amen. It's that house that you're sitting in that's paid for. Praise God. It may not be much, but it's paid for. Hallelujah. And you understand that in, in terms of what, how we live in America as opposed to the rest of the world, we're considered rich. Why is it? Because God loves his kids. Amen. So riches and honor and long life. You, you, know, you realize that, that God can give you such honor that you can walk into a business and you apply for a job. and There might be a tons of applicants, resumes on that. And you know, you know how it is. They're flipping through them, and some of them, and then all of a sudden, something catches their eye with your resume, and, oh, who's that? Oh, okay. Anybody ever been there? Where God honored you, and you got that job, or you got that promotion, you're like, how in the world did I get that promotion? Why is it? Because when you walk in the reverence and the fear and the awe of God, and you walk in relationship with Him, He honors you, amen, and then long life. God honors you with long life. Praise God. You know one of the reasons I believe that? It's because you're not going around doing dumb stuff all the time. Amen. You're behaving wisely. Praise God for that, right? And you, this is what it looks like to me. It looks like John 10.10. 10. If you compare the scripture we just read, to this scripture, you get a clear picture of what being fully alive in Christ looks like. Look at this. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. What did Jesus come to do? 
I have come that they may have life, not just an existence, but a full life. How do you obtain a full life? Abundant life in Christ? Walk in the fear of the Lord. Change your perspective of how you view God. See Him as a loving Father who gave all for you. See Him as one who protects you. See Him as one who provides for you. See Him as one who stands in awe and wonder. See Him as one who disciplines you and who's holy. And when you do, what happens? God says that's what it looks like to be fully alive. Would you stand this morning? Thank you for tuning in to our online broadcast here at Grow Church. We hope that you've heard something today that will strengthen and encourage you throughout the week. Make sure you tune in next week for our next broadcast. God bless.